Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noah. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, all mission control decadent. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. Our story today takes place a little bit more than 76 years ago. It's about 30 miles north of San Francisco in the Bay. It's a story that includes a number of proposed conspiracies and a number of proven conspiracies. And uh, while you may not have heard of this story before, it is a it is a story that fundamentally changed the course of the United States. It's known as the Port Chicago disaster. Don't, have you guys? Did you guys ever hear about this before in grade school or growing up? I don't recall learning about it in school. However, I traveled to Vallejo, California, which is right. In the, very close in that area, and I learned about it after hearing about the naval history of Mare Island, which is very close to there, too. But that's the only time I've ever encountered it. Yeah, and Mare Island's going to come up in this story uh, quite a bit as well. Um, I, I had never heard a, a peep about it uh, and was actually quite uh, surprised to learn that the port Chicago has absolutely nothing to do with Illinois or the Midwest at all. Or the band Chicago, even. 
No, but it does turn out that 25 or 6 to 4 is when the whoever the main Chicago dude is was trying to figure out a closing line to the song, and he looked at his watch, and it was 25 or 6 minutes to 4, which seems like a quite a large gap there, but that's the, the lore of, of that song. Hmm. And, and here are the facts. So despite the name... Nothing to do with Illinois, nothing to do with Chicago, the band, or the metropolis. Uh, Port Chicago was a town located in California, 30 miles north of San Francisco, and was once upon a time called Bay Point because it was uh, created in part by something called the Bay Point Land Company. However, Port Chicago was not like a normal town, at least in conception. No, it was a town with a purpose, with a mission. It was developed specifically to serve and support a giant munitions facility. Um, and that is because that island that Matt mentioned, Mare Island, also had a naval ammunition depot there that was starting to not quite cut it for the war effort on its own. So they needed an additional uh, depot and factory to support the war effort out of California. And, you know, there's... The port Chicago that has the pier where all of that ammunitions loading and all that occurs. But there's also a town where the people would live that worked there if you didn't live, you know, on the facility, like in the base, essentially. Um, There's a population in that small town of around 1500. And it was located only about a mile and a half away from where those ships were located. Yeah, and this will be important to the story later. So this is a purpose-built town. In some ways, it's similar to places like Oak Ridge, Tennessee, or some of the closed cities in the former USSR. But make no mistake, even though Port Chicago, the town, was uh, relatively small in terms of population, it was a huge deal to Uncle Sam. Business was booming. By the summer of 1944, uh, the newly minted facility had already expanded such that they could load two ships concurrently around the clock, so 24-7, two ships in and then two ships out. Uh, Business was also it was terrible in addition to booming it uh, whether you thought it was awesome or terrible depended on your role in the process because the navy and all of the armed services at this time were still segregated and that meant the dangerous awful crappy jobs like loading live munitions were typically assigned to the african american units and uh, these guys were not What's the old saying? These guys were not set up for success by their superiors or command structure. No, it makes me think of the term cannon fodder that you hear oftentimes. And there are, you know, hellish stories of African-American troops being put on the front line as essentially human pawns, you know, to be kind of to to soak up the brunt of uh, an onslaught uh, so that the folks in the back could maybe live on to fight another day. Um, And this is not dissimilar from that. Um, It's not direct combat, but it's involving um, the handling of some very unstable and uh, dangerous munitions without proper training. Yeah, I mean, think think about that. These are high explosive materials and projectiles, essentially, that, that they're handling without proper training. They These guys that were forced to do this work were trained for hand-to-hand combat, for, you know, um, other combat roles with, with weapons and such, but they didn't have any official training on how to do what they were doing at night, in the middle of the night, after working all day. And... They were, you know, they were told to do this without training by their white superior officers. 
And in addition to that, they had these incredibly hectic loading schedules. The people on the front lines will die if we don't get this stuff out in time. And it always needs to be there yesterday. So uh, safety standards like uh, it's similar in some ways to the uh, COVID problems in productions today, safety standards were either diminished or ignored outright. What could go wrong? Like, this is a bit of a tangent, but, um, you know, and a lot of productions nowadays, film productions, or I think TV productions as well, uh, there is someone who is hired as a COVID compliance officer or something like that. And uh, nobody really listens to them. They've got a terrible job because they're supposed to speak truth to power. And you guys know the hierarchy of sets. You can't. Even if you're right, you can't go up to the director or some A-list celebrity and be like, hey, you know, legally, legally it's mask time, uh, Morgan Freeman or whatever. You'll get fired. And that's what's happening. Well, that's true. But, but yes, I, I agree with you completely, Ben. But also like that per- it, it is if one person on a set gets COVID, the whole production has to shut down. And I've heard of that happening quite a few times, um, you know, here in our little film bubble of Atlanta. But I, I wanted to double back on one tiny thing I said uh, talking about the, the things they were handling being unstable. Th- there is some truth to that, but it's interesting because munitions up until the late 1800s had been or explosives rather had been incredibly unstable. And then Nobel invented dynamite, Alfred Nobel in the 1860s, which was like a way of stably handling explosives um, that were you know stronger than black powder, um, which had been like the kind of uh, explosive du jour before that. And I learned a little bit about this listening to the great podcast Omnibus with Ken Jennings and John Roderick. Um, and I think it's really ironic and probably not lost on anybody that Alfred Nobel um, in Inventing dynamite, he prevented people from blowing themselves up accidentally by handling munitions and, and, and things like that, but also made it much more possible to spread the use of these type of explosives and, you know, kill people with them on purpose. So he, uh, in order to maybe maintain his legacy, started the whole Nobel Peace Prize. Right. But the philosophical question there is it's an important one. Uh, does that make your hands clean? Right. You know, did building the Winchester mansion in some way uh, spiritually exonerate the Winchester widow from all the deaths on the other end of the Winchester repeating rifle? Story for another day, but you, let's talk about let's talk about the ammunition. That's a good direction to go. So on July 17th, 1944, the guys on the evening shift to Matt, Matt, to your very important point, they were speed loading these two merchant ships, the SS Quinault Victory and the SS EA Bryan. The holds were being packed with uh, like 4,600 tons of various explosives, bombs, depth charges, plain old ammunition. And then there were another 400 tons of explosives waiting nearby on rail cars. Uh, Southern Pacific, by the way, goes straight through town so they can carry this stuff from the factories. And and just to, just to everyone understands, I didn't fully understand this. The cargo hold of a large ship like that is kind of in the center, and it's like a cavernous hole that imagine one just filled with these explosives. With that, with that amount, I mean, if you're, it has to be at least... 2000 tons each for those ships that they're loading up, you know, um, and just a mat like 2000 times 2000 
Good God, that is so much explosive. Yeah, and picture, so picture like a hostess cupcake. I'm going to say, because I barely ate today. Picture like a hostess cupcake, the kind with the little uh, lace on the top and a little uh, cream in the middle. Or cream-filled donut, whatever. <laughs> your your choice. That's that's kind of this cargo hold um, situation. So, With this, two ships. With two ships, with two big ships. This was a ginormous operation. There were hundreds of people in the area. There were about 320, as far as we can tell, on or near the pier when something went wrong at exactly 1018, a series of massive explosions resounded through the night, creating blasts that were felt as far away as Nevada. That's right. And we'll, you know, we'll talk more about this, but those those explosions destroyed everything, everything, and killed every person who was working there uh, that night. Yeah, vaporized them, evaporated them. Like, like we know there were 320 people there from records. More so than than uh, you know, unfortunately, than finding a lot of corpses. The, well, not even like dental records where they could like match the remains. Like, I mean, when you say vaporized, I mean you basically mean like turned to dust, <laughs> disintegrate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The largest remaining pieces of the E. A. Bryan, for instance, which is a seven thousand two hundred ton ship itself, the largest remaining pieces of it were about the size of a suitcase. Uh, So there was no, it's a no stone standing on another situation. And the damage, the actual damage, stretched all the way south into San Francisco, uh, somewhere between 30 and 48 miles. Uh, Every building, remember Port Chicago, the town's a mile and a half away, every building uh, takes this tremendous amount of damage. There's not, uh, there's not a pane of glass left in town. People were knocked off their feet. And here's a fun fact to ruin conversations with your friends. Uh, Despite what we see in action films, any explosion powerful enough to knock someone off their feet also usually does very serious damage to their bodies. Shout out to Rachel Lance, uh, who has been a guest on, um, on some of our shows in the past. She is an expert, one of the world's foremost experts in underwater explosions, which I did not know is a job you could have. It's the coolest job, or at least the most niche job, but also the coolest, most niche job, and really enjoyed talking to her about that. Yeah, and so she can verify this. Oddly enough, um, through some remarkable coincidence, a bunch of the town's residents are harmed, but none are killed. They're much more lucky than the people at the pier. Would that have been by like like flying debris, perhaps, or some kind of shockwave? Yeah, uh, yeah, they were harmed by uh, shockwave. They were harmed by all the splintering glass and all of the debris shooting out from the the sort of origin point of this series of explosions. One thing that that I found most memorable from our conversation with Rachel Lance is that these shockwaves can be incredibly damaging um, underwater in particular too. Uh, we're talking about the SS Hunley or it wasn't the SS. It was just the Hunley. It was this um, civil war era submarine. And um, the question was, how were the people that were killed in the testing of this vehicle? Well, it wasn't testing in the, um, the use of this very rudimentary vehicle killed and her kind of um, 
thesis is that it was the shockwave, underwater shockwave, that actually can cause like internal damage. Like it can like eviscerate your internal organs. So nothing to sneeze at, these shockwaves. So let's imagine the explosion as it's occurring. When when this initial explosion occurs and then there's just so many more that follow, whatever caused the biggest one, and it's most likely that it was in the EA Brian with, with all of those tons of explosives, there was smoke and fire that just leapt into the air. It was almost two miles high when people were observing it. Um, there was a pilot in the area who was flying about 9,000 feet up, noticed that there were metal chunks the size of, oh, I don't know, a house mm. from the explosion flying past him. The other ship, the Quinault that we were talking about, it uh, in the aftermath when it was found, there was just a tiny piece of it that was sticking up vertically, essentially. That was one of the biggest pieces of wreckage that was discovered there. Just insane when you think about the force that that was exerted from this explosion. Right. And insane when you think that that pilot made it through to relay the story. (sighs) Yeah, this uh, the cause of this explosion, as as you said, Matt, we don't uh, remains unknown today. And that is because all of the evidence that would have been helpful from a forensic standpoint was destroyed moments, like milliseconds, a few seconds after that uh, that first explosion at 1018. This makes the Port Chicago disaster the largest man-made detonation in history to that point, by a healthy margin too. Like pre-nuclear weapon redeployment, this is, this is the largest explosion. Nearly two-thirds of the people who lost their lives at Port Chicago that evening were African-American enlisted men serving in the Navy. This, here's another troubling statistic. In that one night, the deaths in that one night equal 15% of all African-Americans killed throughout the entirety of World War II. And the people who did survive somehow, who were far enough away to just get out, get away with some injuries or something, uh, they were still treated horribly afterwards. The white Officers supervising them were given hardship leaves. What a terrible disaster. You go take some time, be with your family. But the black survivors were ordered to clean up the base, lickety split, including picking up the remains of their dead colleagues. So you have to go. and, And again, this is when we say remains, we're not talking about a coherent single body. We're talking about pieces of people. Yeah. And, and according to stories, many of them worked for two or three days straight. Trying, attempting to clean up the entire area. The absolute worst possible job that someone could be asked to do. You know, I, I can't even imagine being able to like look at my superior with a straight face and be like, sir, yes, sir. Um, but it gets worse, doesn't it? Gets much worse. Yeah. The surviving men are quickly reassigned to the nearby Mare Island uh, and they're expected to carry on. Just to carry on, that's a state of war. Uh, Today, we call this, as we said, the Port Chicago disaster. But in a very real way, that explosion is just the beginning of the story. Uh, We'll pause for a word from our sponsor and dive in after this break. 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up... So does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Here's where it gets crazy. Fast forward. It's less than a month later. The Navy starts ordering members of these segregated units to load more munitions. They still have not received the training they needed, by the way. Yeah, but but they wanted... They wanted the training. They were calling for the training. Been asking for it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's not as though it was something that was being neglected by the sailors themselves. And there were 258 sailors 
who then went on a work stoppage or a strike, essentially. They caused a work stoppage. Yeah, and, you know, this isn't like a civilian strike. I mean, it's essentially, you know, refusing the orders of a commanding officer at this point, which uh, is, is sort of frowned upon in the military. Certainly is, but, you you know, these are men that don't have weapons that are essentially saying, I'm, I'm striking my work. I don't know. It's, it feels different than, I don't know, the way it's described at least. No, no, I, 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 I'm just saying that's how it would be viewed, I think, from the brass's perspective. You know, it's like you are disobeying a direct order. Yeah, that's correct. In, uh, Matt, as you said, calling a work stoppage or a strike is, is the perfect description for the civilian world. That's what everybody would call it. In the Navy, this refusal to work did count in their mind as mutiny. And there was a uh, there were a number of detainments and arrests. Uh, the one building was converted into a brig to hold these people, but it was never it was never meant to hold two hundred and fifty eight people. And there's a point there about direct orders. One of the big questions is, were these 258 men directly asked to load munitions? Uh, And if not, were they just saying, well, I'm not going to volunteer for it, right? There's a guy named Lieutenant Gerald E. Veltman who heads the defense, and he says these accusations of mutiny are incorrect and pretty certain that in his personal life, he thought that some of this stuff was racially motivated. He had a pretrial brief. Uh, wherein he cites the definition of mutiny from a thing called Winthrop's Military Law and Precedence. And he says, look, the, the 50 people who are getting straight up charged with mutiny said, look, there's no proof that they conspired. Uh, you can't, they didn't get together and say we're going to usurp, subvert, or override superior military authority. They just did not want to die. Right. I always thought of a mutiny as sort of like the equivalent of like a coup on the high seas where you are colluding to overthrow the commander of the vessel or or the authority structure of the vessel and take over and and, and oftentimes with ill intent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, most of us in the U.S., when we think of mutiny, the most famous one for us would be the mutiny on the bounty. Uh, which is a uh, which led to the creation of the nation we know as the Pitcairn Islands today, and the Pitcairn Islands should be a story. It should be an episode of their own. Uh, are you guys too familiar with that? No, it sounds so familiar, but I don't know. It's a it, there's a long running intergenerational uh, child abuse situation there and one of the i think the current mayor was involved still mayor was reelected it's just it's oh it's it's what it's going to be one of those episodes where we have to say at the top it may not be suitable for all audience members but in the meantime folks uh do a little digging of your own if you'd like before we get to it uh it's just it's a shame, but that's 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 the most famous mutiny. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, let's uh, let's just go back quickly to that concept of the mutiny and what actually occurred. There's a video you can watch right now on YouTube. It's called "Remembering Port Chicago." It's put out there by the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, and in it, there's described one of the first actions that was taken that was considered 
a mutiny or a mutinous by the commanding officers. And it was literally to not, I believe it was to not turn a certain way when the commanding officer gave them an order to turn, uh, I guess to then head in to the facility where they would begin working and, you know, loading munitions and things. Um, and it literally started there and then it just kind of snowballed, uh, right? Snowballed. Exactly. And like to Ben's point, it wasn't as though everybody, or at least to the historical record, it is not known where every, it is not known if there was a big meeting or something to decide that this was going to occur. Right. Some people got together allegedly and said, let's have this work stoppage. You know, let's, let's not, let's not repeat the mistakes uh, that occurred in, in Port Chicago. But then there were other people who were caught up in the, in the crossfire of systemic racism because they were told, there's one account that just says, look, we were told to stand in a line. And then our officers told us, okay, if you don't want to, if you're not going to load munitions, step to your, you know, right or step to your left if you are. And then the people who just said, I don't want to do that, got got jailed, which I feel like maybe there was a different answer if you knew this was so much was riding on this question. But like you guys established earlier, uh, Veltman hits on some consistent points. He said many of these men, like you said, Matt, have not been asked directly to do anything. uh, And the ones who refused often said, look, I'm only refusing because I need some training. I need safety protocols. They're not even giving me these people's gloves, by the way. Uh, And then while they were saying this, they were carrying out other unrelated tasks, you know, maintenance, cleaning, stuff like that. And they also made no threats. You know, they weren't like, we're going to string you up, so-and-so. So he makes a pretty good case that whatever the definition of mutiny is, the the Port Chicago 50, as they came to be known, do not fit the definition. Their actions don't fit the definition. Uh, but he lost that argument, didn't he? He did indeed. The prosecution, um, which was uh, led by Lieutenant Commander James F. Coakley, replied that any persistent refusal to work by two or more men was in itself sufficient proof of a conspiracy to override authority and as such was tantamount to a mutiny, which I would argue, I mean, I'm not a, a naval lawyer or anything, but I would argue that's some pretty creative thinking there, uh, some very circuitous arguing. Yeah, it's like, at what point does it become a conspiracy, right? The etymology of conspiracy is just to breathe together. So you're whispering or silent together. I don't know. And and, and how does how does the military handle this? Because chain of command is so fundamentally important, right? Um, yeah. Well, just imagine the, the embarrassment that the United States Navy was feeling in those months, right? The embarrassment mm-hmm. that the largest explosion up until that point had occurred on their soil involving their, you know, their own sailors and uh, their munitions and all. Uh, it was just, uh, I can't imagine the embarrassment. And it feels like an act to almost, I don't know, an, an act to shift blame, maybe? Yes. Or an act, Right. Yeah, absolutely. This is absolutely uh, looking for someone to point a finger at, even if it's not directly related to the explosion, looking for a vulnerable group to scapegoat. Uh, 
Well, <laughs> like maybe um, a uh, almost a diversion, right? It's like look yes. over here at these guys who broke the rules and disobeyed direct orders, as opposed to look at us, you know, sitting high and mighty in our commanders' chairs, which is a thing, because it was ultimately on them to provide the proper training, which clearly wasn't done, and clearly made these. Uh, it's one thing to go into battle, one thing to go into war, where you know what the score is, you know there are people literally coming at you to kill you. You would not expect that treatment among your commanding officers and your colleagues. Agreed. And so, although clearly it seems like the three of us are on Veltman's side in this pretrial conversation, he lost the argument. The trial began on September 14th of that year. All 50 men pled not guilty to the charges, but what happened next? We'll tell you after a word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up... So does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. 
With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. So we have we have a pretty extensive record of the ins and outs of the trial. Uh, there are a lot of there are a lot of not completely above board things that happen in this trial. Uh, so it came out that some of the sailors who had been accused uh, during their interviews. There was an armed guard station there. They had one guy said that Coakley threatened to shoot him if he didn't have an answer. Both sides accused the other of coaching the witnesses or the accused. Uh, There were statements from the superior officers who said things like, okay, I directly ordered maybe these six guys to load munitions and they said no. But I, 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 I can't say that I ordered 50 people to do that, let alone 258. Jeez. Well, yeah. And I think it's, is it the same officer or different officer who goes on to explain that all of the men over whom he had command would follow pretty much any order, any and all orders that were given to them besides the order to load more munitions? Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it was the same person. Yeah. Commander Joseph R. Tobin. Uh, he said, and he also said, look, these nobody was being aggressive or aggro at me. He didn't say aggro, but you know what I mean. And he said, no one was being disrespectful. Uh, They just, they just didn't want to do this unless they had the proper training. Because again, like I said earlier, these guys are trained for combat and they just got pulled into munitions because it was a micro esque dirty job. And increasingly race played a huge public role in this and some troubling facts emerged both about how the uh, how how the commanding officers saw the enlisted men and then how they treated them right because there's some explanations we found yeah and, and a pretty salacious you know kind of rumor milly kind of detail emerged uh, through some hearsay that was kind of um, exposed during the trial and it was the the notion that Someone was heard telling the men, uh, quote, don't go work for those white mother. And, you know, it, it, it was just a claim and it wasn't really verifiable. Right, Ben? Yeah, you're right. Noel. there's a lot of hearsay that takes place in this original trial. It's a lot of, well, uh, I heard the blah, blah, blah did that. And it's influenced a lot by the rank of the person testifying or, or speaking but the there was a troubling explanation that emerged uh, in the course of this investigation, and it explains why there was little regard for safety. It turns out that the officers had a kind of conspiracy or a sport of their own, and they were using teams of loaders as the the pawns in their game, right? 
I mean, yeah, again, we were talking about that cannon fodder situation. Uh, they were essentially cracking the whip um, in all, seemingly for their own amusement. I mean, again, this is this, this could be taken in many different ways, but possibly as a way of increasing productivity or maybe encouraging the men in kind of like a playful way to outdo each other. But there was um, this, I, this concept that emerged that the uh, commanding officers were encouraging races or even like conducting requiring races among the teams um, with zero regard for their safety. If they already had any, this was even more of an escalation of that absolute disregard for the safety of these men. And they were making bets. So it's essentially, it's, it's the most dehumanizing treatment of these men who were already being treated pretty inhumanely. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could say it was meant to be like a motivating thing, mm-hmm. right? We're getting these out quickly. So maybe it wasn't meant to... Uh, be as dangerous as as it was. There were the, also the Longshore Union warned them that something bad was going to happen when they were moving these munitions uh, so quickly and so haphazardly. So, two hundred and eight of those guys don't get charged with mutiny. They get bad conduct discharges, which affects their status as veterans, and they have to forfeit their pay. But the other men. We call which, which a, by the way, forfeiting their pay affects their status in all ways, just in life, just yes. losing all the pay that they would have gotten. Yes, that is absolutely correct. And the uh, the the other fifty men that we call the Port Chicago Fifty today were convict were ultimately convicted of mutiny, and they were given incredibly cartoonishly harsh sentences: fifteen years of prison along with hard labor, along with a dishonorable discharge as a little cherry on the top. So now these guys aren't just scapegoats or they're not just a a diversion, right? Uh, They're now they are examples to every other member of the armed services. An example that says, step out of line and we will put you down. Yeah. And it really did. It, it painted these 50 men as bad guys. And in a way, the Navy is commenting on the 320 men who lost their lives in the actual Port Chicago disaster by doing this to these 50 men. Um, and and again, we're talking about uh, shifting the blame. It just it's just pretty tragic that that occurs. And when it does occur, it catches the attention of a lot of people. It becomes a, a fairly large story, and specifically, one person who sees it, hears about it, is a civil rights activist and. Uh, who was the chief, a man who was the chief counsel of the NAACP at the time, Thurgood Marshall, and he steps in. And, and he, uh, yeah. I, I'm just laughing because that guy is like, that's the last person you want to be in a disagreement with. The man's brilliant. He's driven. I wouldn't eat, like, I wouldn't even play Scrabble with him. <laughs> he would rock your shit. He's that smart. And so he, he also, of course, is is guided by, uh, the principles of justice. He thinks this court martial, the the entirety of the proceedings. He thinks they're bogus. He thinks it's a diversion. The way that uh, Matt Noel and I mentioned earlier, uh, he gets special permission to fly into California, and he can sit in on the proceedings. This guy is a legal legend too at this point. So he's sitting in on the proceedings. He can't defend anybody. Like he can't. 
the terrible comparison would be like, you know, like a vampire can't go in your house unless you invite them. He's the opposite of a vampire. He's a cool dude, but he can't uh, interfere officially because he's a civilian. It's a military court. So what he can do is advise these people or consult with them. So imagine being that prosecutor, uh, Coakley, and you're and you're doing some shady stuff to try to get the verdict you you want. And then you see, just one day, just sitting there calmly, is Thurgood Marshall. He's watching you. Occasionally, he'll uh, take out a pen, <laughs> write something down. Yeah, and keep watching would, you. It'd make your temperature <laughs> rise, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And it's good that he was there. Uh, he, he went on a public campaign with this, and it had public support, too. Uh, one of the things he called for was a government investigation, not just into Port Chicago or not just into the Port Chicago 50, but the Navy's widespread systematic practice of assigning African-American service members to these segregated support roles or putting them in unsafe conditions. And for a while, it seemed like uh, this would be a hard-won battle, but a battle they could win. Eleanor Roosevelt got involved and yeah. circulated some of the pamphlets, right? Yeah, the first lady of the time. Uh, she joined up with the NAACP, and they attempted to appeal the case because we said these men got 15 years in prison um, and hard labor, and they got that dishonorable discharge. So they went in to appeal the case, and... Uh, I, I'm pretty sure they lost at first or they weren't, they were unable to, they were unsuccessful at appealing the case at first. Uh, but there were two trials going on. There's a court martial proceeding and then there's the trial of public opinion of what everybody is saying because of what Thurgood Marshall and several others are writing about the subject and the trial and the Port Chicago disaster. Mm-hmm. The nation is forced to uh, to look look at itself in the mirror, right? Through, through the lens of these events and confront its various prejudicial practices. Why? We ask ourselves in kitchen tables around America at this time, why is our government putting black men in the most dangerous jobs they can or the most menial jobs and in either case putting them there with no realistic hope of advancement or growth path this is a dead-end job that could kill you and then why you know why are we punishing these people when they refuse to accept uh this these are good questions and these probably kept uh marshall awake at night for for a long time uh he he poured a lot of his heart and soul into this. He went to those 50 guys uh, to see if there was some way he could legally represent them instead of just having conversations with them. And he had to get explicit written permission from each of these 50 men to make an appeal for them. And he did it. Yes, he did indeed. And on April 3rd, 1945, Marshall went to D.C. to present his case. And he pointed out that the prosecution had misled the court on the definition of mutiny, 
I think we all uh, felt pretty ha- pretty hard from the start. Um, he also pointed out that the Navy had, in some ways, been looking for someone to to blame or scapegoat for the disaster, as also seemed pretty clear to any uh, kind of casual observer here. And uh, here's a great quote from his uh, his testimony or from his presentation. Uh, quote, the accused were made scapegoats in a situation brought about by a combination of circumstances. Justice can only be done in this case by a complete reversal of the findings. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it makes total sense. Um, and then what happened afterwards, it just, we'll, we'll, we'll just describe it to you. After the war, the Navy wasn't able to justify these sentences. The Navy was like, yeah, um, so we see all this writing, we see the appeal. Yeah. Um, okay. Ooh, you know, when it was wartime, you know, back when we were doing all that, this kind of made sense. Like the overly punitive sentences were, you know, setting example so that we don't lose a bunch of other sailors or soldiers somewhere else during the war because we kind of need everybody. Um, and, you know, we just put 50 guys in jail for 15 years. But now that the war's over, hmm. Yeah, maybe that is a little harsh. <laughs> yeah, now I don't know if we can just, uh, if we can continue going this this hard on the punishment paint. So in September of 1945, this is, you know, as you said, Matt, after the close of the war, the Navy first shortens each of these 15-year mutiny sentences by one year. And the next month, Captain Harold Stassen says, I think we reduce these sentences all the way down to two years for people who have good conduct, uh, three years for the rest, and then give them credit for time served. Uh, January 6th, 1946, the Navy released 47 of the Chicago Port 50 and then immediately sent them to active duty aboard ships on the Pacific where they were often relegated to menial labor. That is rough. Getting jailed by your employer, essentially, then told, all right, you're done with jail. Come on back. Get on another ship. Get out of here. I wonder what podcast jail is like or podcast prison. Somebody's going to tell us there's a difference between podcast jail and podcast prison, I'm sure. Ooh, I don't know. I think it's just all ad reads. Like You have to do ad reads all day long without (laughs) stopping. (laughs) They're all ad reads about the podcast uh, laws you broke. (laughs) Right. That's it. Oh, boy. But astute listeners, you'll notice we said 47 of these 50 men. There are three left. Two of those uh, 50 prisoners stayed in the prison's hospital for months. They were recuperating from injuries. And there was one guy who had a what they called a bad conduct record. But this story what's so weird about this is that there first there was a conspiracy on the part of the navy i think that's fair to say to find Mm -hmm. someone to blame uh there was an alleged conspiracy on the part of the men at mare island to not die which is a conspiracy we all sort of participate in on a normal day i imagine uh but then this series of events ultimately led to the desegregation of the military it ultimately gave the, mil- the U.S. military something that uh, other folks at first blush might think is counterintuitive. It made the military a very progressive institution, on paper at least, in terms of gender, in terms of uh, race or religious belief, etc. 
uh, because in 1948, President Truman desegregated the whole thing, not just the Navy, everything else. The, the militaries, at least. The militaries, at least. Yeah. And the yeah. story the story doesn't end there, however. No, uh, this uh, rippled outward into practically the present day in the 1990s. Freddie Meeks, one of the few surviving um, members of the uh, Port Chicago 50, was asked to was encouraged to petition uh, the president of the United States for a pardon. And, you know, this is the kind of stuff where as history sort of looks at things through a more progressive lens, these are the types of things that pardons make a lot of sense for. Right. Um, So. So uh, others of the Port Chicago 50 had refused to ask for a pardon, um, reasoning that it it implied guilt on their part, that only guilty people needed to receive forgiveness. Like it was some kind of absolution um, acknowledging that their other crime had been committed. Um, So they continued to hold firm on that position, uh, the, the position being that they were not guilty of mutiny in the first place, which I think we've, again, through that modern lens, pretty unequivocally proven. Yeah. And, and, you, again, you can look at YouTube videos and a bunch of writing on this right now. There's one a YouTube video from NBC Bay Area, and it's called The Port Chicago Disaster 75 Years Later, where you can hear a story from a man named William William Ross, who was, who was a survivor from the Port Chicago disaster. And, you know, you can hear his story. You can hear the story of several writers who have been researching this for a long time. And you can hear that argument against pardon. And it's a really strong argument to to say pardon is not the right thing here. Exoneration is the only way forward for this. Right, right. And that I, I agree that that is a solid argument. Meek's logic for applying for a pardon is to br- was to bring more uh, public awareness to these events and to the miscarriage of justice. It was successful to a degree. In December of 1999, then-President Clinton pardoned Meeks, who would go on to pass away in June of 2003. And efforts to posthumously not pardon but exonerate all 50 sailors continue to this day. The story is in a takes us to a better place, but it's by no means done yet. If you are in the area, you can check out the Port Chicago Naval Magazine National Memorial, which was dedicated in 1994 to the hundreds of lives lost in the explosion. And there, for now, until we get more news, uh, the episode draws to a close. What do you think, folks? It, it, It is somewhat rare. Longtime listeners, you know this. It is somewhat rare for us to have an episode with a happy ending of like any sort. And this is sort of a happy ending because justice is slowly being done and it led to tremendous, I would say, cultural advancements in this country, but it's not over. I don't know. No, it's not over. And, you know, there's something that we didn't touch on here and it's not even really worth looking into, but because of the nature of this explosion, how large it was and how very little was left behind, it's very difficult to prove what caused what what is the thing that sparked the explosion you know yes and of course you could get lost in rumor and you know just thinking about that as whoa could it have been you know an attack from the outside you just go down that rabbit hole forever but in the end in all likelihood it was an accident that caused it and that's why this you know is so important um to talk about the way the navy handled 
the, the men that caused an accident because they weren't, they didn't know what they were doing. Um, but again, there still lies in there the possibility that it was something else. Um, and I think that has fueled, that has fueled some discussion of this disaster for quite a time. I don't have any answers there, but it is something you could look into if you're interested. Like what if, uh, what, what if this was a cover up for something even more embarrassing, an attack, right? A successful enemy attack or sabotage of uh, Port Chicago, which in that case uh, makes, it makes the Navy and Uncle Sam look even worse because instead of toning up the truth, they doubled down and blamed blamed these guys. Uh, that's that's terrible. But you're absolutely right. The official the official explanation is unknown. Like it's literally we don't know what happened. We just know that something made one thing explode, which made other things explode, which made other things explode. Yeah. Ugh, really tragic, man. And. Whew. And I would advance another thing uh, here at the at the end of our time together today. What what other stories like this are out there? I am sure there are many. I am sure that scapegoating soldiers is not something restricted to the United States or to the modern era. Uh, what stories like this have you heard from your neck of the global woods? Uh, have you experienced something like this firsthand? If so, let us know. We try to be easy to find. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Check us out at Here's Where It Gets Crazy, uh, which is our Facebook community page. But wait, you say, I, I, I hate social media. You guys are great. I, I just, I can't do it. I don't even talk to my mom on Facebook. Well, that's fine. We have another way for you to get in touch with us. Well, first, call your mom. Then immediately dial 1-833-STDWYTK and leave us a message. Um, three minutes, if you please, or less. Uh, and you might find, let us know if it's okay to use what you want us to call you, if it's okay to use your audio, and you might hear yourself in one of our weekly listener mail episodes. And if you don't want to do that, uh, you can, of course, well, what's another good way to reach us, guys? Oh, I know. There's that old-fashioned email that we keep around that a lot of you write into and we read every week, every day of every week. It is conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. 
This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Attention, true crime enthusiasts. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com.